It's your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys all back. You're probably all inside right now, as you should be. We're riding it out at home. I am. You are probably too. Not not a lot of places to go today. Best idea is to sit and listen for 30, 35 minutes or so to this podcast. Good stuff coming up. As usual, Lavelle Enil III hops on in just a few minutes to talk about all sorts of stuff. I peppered him with all sorts of over-under questions about the Twins, the Vikings, uh, Manuel Reynoso with the Loons, the the twi- uh, the Timberwolves, the Wild, all sorts of stuff for uh, for Lavelle, and he answered them all um, with his typical diplomatic but uh, edgy to a degree style. We got into it pretty good on a couple of things, uh, some good discussions and stuff. So hope you enjoy that in a little bit here. Also got some Viking stuff to clean up at the end of the show. First though, what did I miss? Timberwolves back in action on Friday and. Kind of got me thinking, you know, the second quote-unquote half of the season is not even a half. They've already played 61 games. They only have 21 left. It's basically a three-fourths, one-fourth kind of split with the All-Star game this year. But I got three things I'm curious about as this season winds down, and I want to get to those right now. One, Mike Conley Jr., the point guard they acquired uh, right before the trade deadline, D'Angelo Russell trade. I got a question about what what he's going to offer down the stretch. I was I'm, I'm still high on this deal from his fit, but I was discouraged by zero points in that game against Washington going into the break. And I know he's more of a distributor at this point in his career. I know he brings a lot to Rudy Gobert. Gobert is excellent in that game in uh, helping the Wolves build a lead that they couldn't hand, could, could not uh, could not keep. But uh, what is Conley's ultimate role here? Is it to help them get into the playoffs, stabilize things, or is this going to be more of just a salary placeholder and he's going to be redealt in the offseason or at next year's deadline. I'm I'm curious what the ultimate end goal is there. What what kind of what kind of things can he bring to this team in this short twenty one game span right now? Can he get him get them into the postseason? Can he make a difference or was or will we find out that, that move was made more for the salary than anything else? I'm curious to find that out now that they've had a little bit more time to figure everything out over the all star break. Number two Carl Anthony Towns, and, and uh, I think Lavelle and I will talk a little bit about Towns in the context of the question I asked him about how many games the Wolves will ultimately win, but Carl Anthony Towns has been out for quite some time now. He's missed, I think, clubs about 40 games now of this season, and the timetable for his return was never really clearly established, which is fine, but I think a lot of people have been pointing to after the All-Star break as, you know, hey, he's had a lot of time to recuperate even if this was a pretty serious calf strain, when are we going to see Towns back on the court? And if we don't get a clear update right away, I'm going to start wondering if he's coming back at all this season. If he does not come back at all this season, I'm going to wonder even more than I am right now whether Carl Anthony Towns will ever play for the Timberwolves again or if he himself is an off-season trade candidate. I'm just, I still wonder about some of the things that, that that happened this year. Still wonder about the fit with, with Towns and Gobert and this becoming Anthony Edwards' team. I just I still have some questions about where this whole thing is headed. Now, those questions could get answered really quick. If he comes back, he plays well. If this thing starts to look better with, with a different mix and with Anthony Edwards established in a different way. But I got to see it. I got to see it first before, before these nagging thoughts are going to leave my head about where Carl Anthony Towns ultimately fits into this franchise. And like I said, if he doesn't play the rest of this season, if this starts to be like, ah, oh, there's only 10 games left, oh, I don't know, maybe for the playoffs, if this just ultimately gets to the point where he's not playing at all, 
I got some big questions about the long term and about what's going to happen this summer. Third question, are they going to make the playoffs? Lavelle and I are going to talk about that in a little bit, but just it seems to me that that was like a given going into the season, that this was a top six team, that this was a team that had you know put itself in a place with, with the Rudy Gobert trade, that they had ascended into the West to a certain degree, and that maybe the play-in, because the West is so good, but they would get past the play-in. Now at this point, I think the play-in is in question. If you look at their schedule, um, you know, 13 of their last 21 after the break on the road, um, they got you know got some tough games coming up in that mix. I don't think I don't think making the play and making the top ten is a given, especially when you think about the Lakers. You know, I think LeBron coming back. I think some of the energy they're going to have. I think they're going to play better down the stretch here. A lot of teams in the West could be could be contending, could be frisky. I still think the Wolves should finish at least in that top ten. But if they get bounced quickly, or if they, if they're a one and done in the play in, that feels pretty disappointing to me. So I'm I'm wondering what they're ultimately going to finish at what they have left in the tank this season after a very up-and-down year. And I want to see those questions answered pretty quickly after the break is over. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, I'm going to bring in Star Tribune columnist Lavelle E. Neal III right now. Let's do some over-unders, Lavelle. I think we've had some fun with similar segments in the past. Just kind of a lot of things sitting out there that I want to get your thoughts on and I want to throw some thoughts on as well. Let's uh, let's start, Lavelle, with the Twins in a moment. First of all, though, how are you? You doing well? Yeah, all is well. Can't complain. Good, good, good. Um, twins are down in Florida. Obviously, they're going to play their first spring training game Saturday, I think it is. So not too far from, you know, cranking it up and, and getting some things going. I think the, one of the biggest questions and perennial question for the Twins, Lavelle, and you've, you're no stranger to this question, is how how healthy will Byron Buxton be this season? And so my first over-under for you, Lavelle, and this is just a different way of getting at that question, in your estimation, if you were putting, I don't know, putting a number on it, over-under, how many games will Byron Buxton play in center field? And I'm putting the over-under number at 75. Hmm. Well, I think he's had so many years in which uh, he's, battle with injuries that there's gonna be a year where he he's bound to see on the field and uh this year uh could be it um he did play 87 games in 2019 uh before uh, the pandemic year and uh 2021 so um and then uh, in 22 we all know what happened there but yeah, um a lot of dh last year yeah yeah dh a bunch too although i guess he's averse to DHing. right uh as as we have learned in today's paper from jim suhan right so um, I think he's going to crack triple digits this year. I think this is the year that he stays healthy and stays on the field. Um, you know, he is he has invested a lot into his body over the last couple off seasons. Uh, he's more sculpted. He's healthier. I think eventually that's going to kick in. Uh, this off season, he didn't run as much. Uh, did not see his old high school track coach um, in an effort to make sure he's as healthy as possible. I think that he'll be energized by the alliance with Carlos Correa over the long term now. So 
I actually like his chances of going over 75 uh, games played, um, even if he ends up having a DH in 30 of them. I think, you know, 75 games in the outfield. That is my question. 75 games in the outfield. But I, you're taking the over on that still. And I think that's fair. I'm going to take, take the over on that because um, uh, that means uh, he – he, he now he has to play 105 games for him to take right. 30 games and play. I mean, I think he, I think he can do that. And I think he wants to do that. And I think that's where he's most effective at. So uh, yes. this gotta be a year where it, it, he doesn't get snake bit with injuries. This has gotta I, be it. I'm inclined to take the under until proven otherwise, but obviously a lot riding on that for the twins. And another question kind of dovetailing from that one is how much of what the twins did, this offseason, I'm thinking specifically of a few things. You know, they didn't trade Max Kepler, or they haven't at least yet. Um, they, they they made a deal to get uh, another really good, de- actually two really good defensive outfielders, Joey Gallo and Michael A. Taylor. And they didn't really sign anybody who is, you know, a, a DH, like a bona fide DH, like a Nelson Cruz type. How much of that is a nod to the fact that Buxton might have to DH at least a decent number of games, and you still want a good, you know, defensive outfield in the in, in those cases? Yeah, I think Rocco wanted that flexibility with Buck to, to swing him over to DH. But as, as Buxton pointed out, in the swing piece, that that's not really a day off because you have to be ready. You have to be you have to be stretched out, you have to prepare, and you know, you have to change your between a bats regiment. Because when you're a DH, you gotta figure out something to do in between the bats, you're gonna feel like you're pinch hitting four times. So a lot of right. guys go in the tunnel and they get some swings in, then they're swinging and swinging and swinging in between the bats. So um you know, it's not really a half day off but in, in Buxton's eyes. And it shouldn't be counted. If you only give a guy a day off, you tell him to don't put the, the jersey on and kind of sit there and be a cheerleader. Um, um, and I still think Buxton's, Buxton's going to need days like that during the season, maybe once a week, maybe. Uh, but even if you give him a once a week off, I think you can still get the 75 games uh, uh, playing in, in, in the outfield. Um but yeah, let's not. I think it was by design that the Twins made sure there was no bona fide DH in the on the roster this year, where they can rotate that spot around several people. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think you know what's interesting is you're right. He's gone over that number before. And to your point, Suhan's piece pointed out you're right. That's not a day off, really. I'm sure there's a mental grind to you know hitting four or five times. You're right. You're not just sitting around and waiting for your at bat. You're you're in the cage. You're kind of making sure you're locked in. And if that's the only thing you're doing that day, you're probably putting extra pressure on yourself to do that thing. And I think Suhan pointed out too, that some of what was hurting Buxton more last year was swinging the bat, not running the bases from time to time. So that piece of it is interesting as well, that DHing him maybe may seem like a way to preserve him or may seem like a way to get him at least in the lineup, which it is, but I don't know how much it's preserving his body um, more than, you know, running around and playing the outfield. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. So, um, that's going to be uh, something that's going to be interesting to see play out during the season. But, you know, um, it, you know, he is, he just, he's invested so much to try to stay healthy. And I just think that this is the year that it all, it all, it all works out. And they got a system in place in case he needs a DH a couple of times. That's fine. Of course, Correa could DH and Gallo could DH and right. even Blanco could DH, you know, because uh, they got a guy named Kyle Palmer who probably deserves to play two, three times a week two, three times a week. Michael A. Taylor probably deserves to play a couple times a week. So, and there's some other guys too. Uh, if Larnick's on the roster, he's got to play. Right. Jarlow's going to be at first. You know, he definitely is going to play. Um, if Garlic makes the team as a right-handed masher off the bench against le- the match lefties, he's got to play some. So, um, I, I give the Twins credit. I've always 
better believe it that you use that that uh, that DH spot to kind of rotate and give guys uh, uh, a chance to not at least pound, get the pounding in in the outfield as they normally do. All right, let's move on to a different, uh, you know, controversial subject here in Minnesota sports, and one we've been talking about for a long time as well. Not just Buxton's health. Over under Lavelle on how many more years Kirk Cousins will be the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm going to put that over under number at 1.5. So basically I'm asking you, is he going to be the quarterback here for at least two more seasons? Yes or no. Huh. Uh, just can't let the Kirk Cousins question. Die I, never, down. I can't, I, I can't, I'm obsessed with, but you know, he's, it's a fascinating question. They're, they're probably talking about this right now internally and, and cousins camp is probably talking about this as well. What's, what's the future hold? Um, you know, Matthew Collar had an interesting piece, or I think l- earlier this week, that pointed out something I didn't really realize. Like Kirk Cousins is one of the oldest starting quarterbacks in the league. He's 34 right now. We don't really think of Kirk Cousins as being old, but he could be one of the three oldest co- starting quarterbacks in the league next season. So that, at a certain point, becomes a factor too. But well, I want to hear what you think about his huh. his future here in Minnesota. Well, I think in terms of, uh, I think the Vikings are stuck with him for at least two more years. Okay, uh, I'm probably they're probably going to approach him about some sort of uh, contract uh, adjustment this year to to create some cap space or something where they kick the can down the road another year or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, my number one argument is going to be his age is becoming problematic here. Who's going to want a 35 year? It's going to be he'll be 35 in August. So before correct um, uh, opening weekend, he'll be 35. So how many teams are going to want? a guy who may be 36 years old after this next season. Um, not that few, you know, I mean, people have been talking about Mike Shanahan, how he's fond of cousins and maybe the Vikings can work out something there. Kyle Shanahan. Get yeah. return. But um, you tell me if they decide to move on to Kirk cousins, who they moving on to, because the heir apparent is not on the roster right now, by any stretch of imagination. Uh, maybe the heir apparent is still playing in college right now. We, we don't know. Right. Um, I just think, Everything screams that the Vikings are going to have to have have to hold on to Kirk Cousins for two more years because a it's going to be hard to move a 36 year old quarterback. B he's going to be making a chunk of change, which is going to be hard to move. And C there's no heir apparent on the roster right now. So expect Kirk Cousins to be the starting quarterback for the 2023 and 2024 seasons in Minnesota. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It's probably the the most likely outcome what's interesting i think what's going to be interesting in a contract extension discussion is how long the vikings are willing to go versus what Kirk cousins side is going to want and i'm imagining the vikings in a in a perfect world would like to extend him for just that one more year but i don't know if that's what cousins people would want because that at the end of 2024 it might be harder for him to find something else at that point because then he'd be going into his age 37 season for for 2025 so are they going to want a longer extension than the Vikings are willing to go? And and where could that, you know, where might that lead them ultimately in terms of their, where they go? But I, I, th- I think you're right. I think the most logical outcome or most likely outcome is that he's here at least two more years. If they can kind of finesse how that looks as, in, in, as an extension. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing is we don't know how this organization is about identifying arm talent. I mean, yeah. um, you know, uh, Kellen Mann was a disaster. <laughs> yes, he wasn't drafted uh, by these guys, though. No, he, he wasn't, wasn't by no, these no, guys. That, that was Spielman's uh, boondoggle there. Um, right. So it was a third round uh, pick. That was not great. They want, they want to see how they they're able to identify and develop uh, arm talent. So um, I, 
I'm guessing it's tough because they only have four draft picks this year right yes. now. I think they may get a fifth. They'll get some more and they'll trade. And Quasi will trade around to get some more, I think. But, but yes. he has no choice, though. I mean, uh, but he's going to get some young talent on defense, first of all. And two, um, you know, in the perfect year, you got like seven or eight picks and you can burn one on the quarterback, you know, right. like the, like Brock Purdy ends up with the uh, 49ers ends up making history, you know, but right. uh, they're, they're, they're so best. They're, they're such a tough spot uh, yes. with their roster, with their payroll, yeah, with their aging quarterback and with their draft, situ- draft pick situation. Um, uh, Quasi took on quite a mess when he uh, entered, uh, entered the Vikings realm here and it was left to him by Mike Zimmer and, and, and Mr. Spielman. Yeah. And they won 13 games the first year, but a lot of those bills are still coming due as we know. Uh, let's move on to soccer. Last time you and I talked, it was right before Emmanuel Reynoso was suspended by major league soccer, I believe. And, you know, you and I had talked about that point about how this has been dragging out. This is not good for the loons and still no resolution to that. He's still not in camp. You know, we've had Adrian Heath saying he's reached out to members of Reynoso's family, trying to t- trying to get some common sense into this equation. Lavelle, the season starts in just a couple of days. Obviously, he's not going to play right away if he does at all. Um, question for you. How many games will Emmanuel Reynoso play for the Loons this year? I put the over-under at 15, a little bit less than half of a Major League Soccer season. Uh, I'm going below because I got I have a great I have a feeling that he may not even play for the Loons this year. I think that's I think fair. He may, I think he could get transferred to another squad. Maybe I don't know if he's fed up with living in Minnesota. I don't know if he's done t- t- with MLS. I don't know if he has an affinity for playing, you know, in South America. Um, I, I sense that because um, whenever I, I talk, I get so many wide views on this when people have asked about this uh, in and around the loon spear. And they're like, some people are like, oh, he, you know, he wants to come back. He wants to play, you know, uh, he doesn't hate it here. And so why isn't like, he playing? He, he's he obviously, play. they're like, it's obviously he's trying to get moved somewhere else. Yeah, you know, exactly. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, is that he is screwing over his teammates royally by yes. not being in camp, not yes. preparing for the season, not being on the field. This is an entirely different loons team without him. They, they, there's no creativity. Um, they're going to they're, they're going to be passing the ball out of the back into a black hole now uh, because <laughs> there's no Reynoso there to distribute. And it's going to have it's going to have a damaging effect. Uh, on the on both sides of the ball, they won't be able to maintain possession and and create off of it, and uh, and the, that's going to help the other team. So, um, I'm if I'm the loons, I'm I'm ticked off, and I'm looking at a transfer as a solution to this, and use their other DP to bring in a new uh creative uh, midfielder because um they have to, their standards here, people have to be held accountable. You know, yeah. And in soccer, it, these things are a little more acute. Than other sports, if a player behaves like this in Europe, he usually doesn't play with that team anymore. So I'm thinking that uh, we've seen the last of Mondo Reynoso in a Loons uniform. Well, and if you're reading between the lines too of uh, of the, our one of our more recent stories, Jerry Zagoda writing about the Loons earlier this week, seems like some of his teammates are getting a little annoyed too. Just the Dane Saint Clair quote: the goalie Dane Saint Clair was asked about you know playing on without Reynoso until and if and when this matter is resolved he says all the games this preseason have been without him we played last season without him i think he was suspended three different times it's not like we never played a game without him before we know he brings a lot of creativity but that's our reality now he's not there so 
yeah, just, you know, both he and Michael Boxall brought up the uh, copious numbers of suspensions that he's had over the over the years. I'm sure it's a lot of accumulations and a lot of, you know, things that happen in games, too. But right. that piece of it, I just imagine that his teammates have got to be getting really tired of this. That's what I think. And, and that's the number one thing. I don't know if he could enter the locker room uh, after all this time off and just expe- expect everything to be hunky-dory. The, yeah. the players have to be. The players have to have the mentality that, you know, everybody's in this together. And if you're not, that means you're running away from you're running out of the foxhole, you know, when things get tough here. So I don't know if it's personal. I don't know if it's because of some something going on with his family. Um, but usually at this point, if you're away from this long, um, people are going to assume that you don't want to play for that team anymore. So, yeah, uh, I think the players feel that. I think the teammates feel that way. I'm. I'm I'm guessing there's probably some people in the front office that feel that way. Yeah. So it sounds like this is time for a clean clean break. You could have said over under five games played, I would still would have taken under. Yeah. I don't I would, think we're in some places here. I think that's I think that's fair. I wanted to put the number a little higher just in case he does come back, because otherwise it's just a question of is he coming back or not. But I think I think the more likely outcome at this point, I mean, if you miss two weeks, that's one thing. If you you were going on six, seven weeks now, that is an entirely different animal. And you're right, we may have seen the last of Reynoso in a loons jersey, which would be a shame because when he is on the field, when he is happy, when he is healthy, when he's not suspended, he is a breathtakingly good player and very important to what they do. Is he is he the best loot ever? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't I don't know who else it would be uh, at who least in terms of too? at least in terms of MLS. Quintero, the first version of Quintero? No. Yeah, I don't um, I don't think anybody's been as good as uh, I don't think anybody's been as good as uh, as as uh, as Reynoso, and I don't think it's close. Um, you know, they've had some good players. Don't don't get me wrong. They've had some good players on the back end as well, but I think he's definitely their best player of all time. So that would be a blow to them. Um, Lavelle Timberwolves are 31 and 30 at the all-star break. They play again Friday coming out of the break. We still don't know the overall status of Carl Anthony towns. We do know that after playing, I believe Charlotte here in Minneapolis on Friday, that 13 of the last 20 for the Wolves are on the road this season. So that's a little bit of a little bit of a thing to consider here. But I'm put, I'm gonna put the over under on their finishing record, finishing wins at 42.5. Are you taking the over or under? That would mean that they would be going at least if you're taking the over, that would mean they're going at least 12 and 12 and 9 in these last 21 games. Yeah, uh, I had to go look up the rest, the remainder of the schedule on this one, and I counted twelve possible wins. Okay, um, but I'm including two wins over Atlanta because Atlanta's in the rears with a new coach. Yeah. Um, but and then they got to play Lakers a few times. They got that damn West Coast swing right after the Charlotte right. game. They got to go West. That's going to be tough, and then you still don't know if Towns is going to be ready. So I, are they going to get better or are they going to get worse? Are they going to get better because? Conley will have some time to, to practice with the squad and understand the system better. Um, when will Towns get in the mix there? I counted 12. That puts him at. Uh, I would put him right at 43. 43. So that's that's the that's the basic like that's the right on the over. I put it at 42.5 for your over under. But knowing knowing how the wolves like the wolf, something screwy is going to happen. So I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under. I'm saying that they're not going to get there. Uh, and it's gonna be disappointing because I think as soon as the Gobert trade was made, we we're like 50 wins a minimum well, yeah. every year. That's what I and thought. Uh, I thought as soon as that trade was made, I thought they'd guaranteed themselves four or five years in a row of at least 50 wins. And they are definitely, I mean, I shouldn't say definitely, but they would be 
a long shot for them to get to that. I'm just looking at basketball reference. They do a good, good job with kind of playoff probabilities, likelihood of how the rest of the season will play out. They've got the Wolves winning 41 games this year, so that would be the under according to kind of their projected for the rest of the way. I think that's fair, but I I don't know if 41 gets them into the playoffs or the play. I mean, the play in even things so bunched up in the West right now, and the Lakers are probably going to get better. And a lot of the teams that are below them right now might make a move. I know um, it's going to the bottom the the bottom half of the West now has become so volatile now. Uh, a brief win streak could get you you know, rocketing up the charts and the losing streak can have you at the bottom of where the wolves are at. Yeah. So I, uh, um, I, I just, you know, it's funny because I think the Gobert trade is supposed to push this team over the top, so to speak. It ended up ushering a new era of transition, I believe, because yeah. uh, it's transitioned to a different style of team when, when Cat's not around. Yeah. And since Cat hasn't been around, it's become Anthony Edwards' team. Yes. So um, it's a different style of play. A different formula for success. They now have a true point guard, which I didn't have before. Right. Because D'Lo, I don't think D'Lo or Ann are real point guards. No. They're um, both, both, they can both handle the ball, but they're not these classic kind of set your offense up and distribute guys. And they have allowed Ant to take over the squad and be the, 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 the face of the team, at least on the court. So um, this is an, this is going to end up being a transitional year instead of a, a year which they take the next step, which is kind of weird, but this probably needed to happen. Yeah. Um, because um, the Wolves need to not be so reliant on towns for success. And yeah. this will be this is a, a good start for them. But unfortunately, I don't think they're getting the 43 wins. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't, they're going to be gonna right on the fringe of play in territory. And that's why some of those losses they took early this year, some of those really bad teams, those are coming back to haunt. And even the one going in the break against Washington, like I don't know, Washington's not a terrible team. They're They're still close to 500 but that's a game that well, if you're serious detroit about making lost. the playoffs you got to win that one and the detroit, detroit losses the yeah. detroit loss was just about was the two of them two detroit yeah. losses yeah they were terrible yeah yeah they're so. like i think that i think the stat is like they're four and six against like the four worst teams in the nba this year just terrible just terrible um i think a much more likely outcome is that the wild make the playoffs this year um i was i'm kind of up and down on them but i feel like you watch them enough Dean Evison's system enough. They've got enough ways to win. They're getting enough goaltending right, right now from Gustafsson, and I think they're going to score a little bit more as the year goes on. I think they're going to make the playoffs. The question for you, Lavelle, if and when they make the playoffs, how many playoff games do they win this year? I'm putting the over-under at 2.5. So basically you're saying that um, they're not going to get out of the first round. No, they're probably going to saying- lose 4-2 in that first round. Uh, <laughs> or maybe I- I'm saying if you, take, if you take the under, you're either betting on them not making the playoffs or losing in six or fewer. And if you're taking the over, you're saying you're going to at least get to the playoffs and get to a game seven in the first round. Uh, I don't know about that squad. I think they need to, uh, you know, uh, Hartman scored two goals last night. Yes. It's a big boost for them. Um, they need to get offense from other places. Where's Greenway? Where's Eck? I don't know what's going on, especially with Greenway this year. You yeah, Eck's been okay, but here. yeah, Greenway has been dis- disappearing act. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Should they be looking for goal scoring? That's going to be expensive. Uh, at the trade deadline, I thought they should they should continue to get big because in, in in the past when they've gotten into the postseason, their lack of size or physicality has kind of become an issue with them. So I was like, even if they have Reeves and some a couple other guys, they should be looking to get bigger on that on, a, on a, uh, the back line there. Um, but uh, I don't know now. I'm watching this this team have so so much trouble scoring five versus five that. Uh, and maybe they need to see if they can get Patrick Kane for just like a third or a second round pick. So there's a rumor out there that uh, they'll take a second for him. I'm like, if they take a second for Kane, then 
uh, I'm very interested. But yeah, Kane's got to be interested. I think the two teams he wanted to go to were Toronto because I heard he wants to play with Austin Matthews and New York because yeah. it's in New York and he's from Buffalo. You know, yeah. uh, sounds like Buffalo doesn't need him. So um, yeah. So now it becomes a case by case situation. If you're the Blackhawks, if you're a Wild fan, what do you think Kane's going to say if the GM comes up to him and says, "Hey, I got this deal worked out with the Wild. Uh, how yeah. would you like to go to Minnesota? The, how do you want to fight, fight for the eighth seed? You want to go fight for the eighth seed?" And Kane, he very well could just say at that point, "I'd rather finish my career with the team I started my career right. with." Yeah, you know? he might. So yeah, he uh, might. That's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, I mean, they 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 definitely righted the ship to a certain degree by winning those last three games of that homestand. It was looking like things were taking a pretty negative turn for yes. a bit there, but um, they, they got those three wins. It does feel like they've at least got something figured out with, with the style of play. And what's interesting is they've got cap space in the short term to take on a contract. Like, what they don't yes. want is... You know, someone who's they they basically want a rental. They don't want somebody who's going to be here for more than the rest of this season. But what does that cost you in terms of draft capital? Has got to be the biggest consideration. But they, they need some more scoring. They do. Phoenix Cali is just where they were like the kings of like taking on bad count contracts and getting like uh you know some some draft capital tossed in a, in addition to that. So and you know eventually it's going to pay off. I mean, they, Logan Cooley's like their yeah their most anticipated prospect ever. You know, so they can't wait for the Gopher season to end. Yeah, uh, he could go in there and have an immediate impact. So, um, even though apparently the the Wilds farm system is highly rated now, you know you can never have enough prospects. So, yeah, um, if I'm a Garen, I'm all ears now as to, you know, how to go about doing this. Because in theory, in theory, if you can afford the cat the money hit, and uh, you got prospect capital, you could bring in someone to boost the offense here. Yeah, and one and one thing that's really intriguing to me long term is how the goaltending seems to set up for a while now. I mean, you see Gustafson having a very good year, Jesper Wallstedt having a great year in the minors. I mean, that could be a pretty good uh, combo for years to come here if, if Gustafson keeps performing like this and if Wallstedt is indeed the real deal. And uh, yeah, to me too, it's interesting how Gustafson seems to, at least in my estimation, and maybe starting to, he started those last three games, starting to re- ascend in the goalie ranks and maybe, like I think if the playoffs started tomorrow and if they were in, I'd have he'd have to be my goalie. I don't think I'd I don't think I'd play Flurry even though he's got that playoff pedigree. Yeah, I know he wasn't sparkling last year against the Blues. He was no solid, not spectacular. But um, I think that's going to be an issue between Evison and, and Bill Garen. Yes. I think Billy's going to be like, um, we got to give Flower a chance here. This is why I traded him yeah. for. Uh, if he steps up and plays up to his normal capabilities, he's going to be a wall in the postseason. You know, yeah, I I can see. I, I'm just thinking at this current moment with Gustafson's going well, this is a great time for Flurry to kind of sit back and kind of observe for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I expect him to play better down the stretch, and it's going to make that goalie goaltending situation uh, decision a tougher one once once the postseason comes, if the Wild make the postseason. If they I'm make taking it. the under on the two and a half. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I think, yeah, I'm probably there too. It's, it's still. A- possibility enough that they missed the playoffs entirely and get into a game seven from where they would be in playoff position would be tricky. Although hockey, anything can happen. You get like Royce. always likes to say a pounce, a puck bounces in off someone's butt. And next thing you know, you win the game, but uh, that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes. Well, I think this list uh, has demonstrated that we got a lot to look forward to in the coming months. A lot of things, a lot of intrigue in this market. Lavelle Enil the third will he will be here to write about all those things. I'll be here to talk about all those things. Lavelle, Appreciate the time as always. We'll catch up soon. 
Thanks for having me. Take care. Great stuff from Lavelle. As always, we got into a Kirk Cousins discussion, as we often do. So let's finish with the cooler. couple Vikings things. One, Netflix just announced a, a, a quarterback special that they're putting together. Pretty interesting. It'll be on Netflix. Um, so they, they promoted it on uh, on Twitter on uh, on Wednesday, announcing quarterback, a docuseries following the 2022 NFL season through the eyes of Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and Super Bowl champ Patrick Mahomes. Unprecedented access, and for first time ever, players are mic'd up for every game. It premieres apparently this summer. I'll be curious to see that. You got a lot of you got a picture of Cousins with one of his sons in the uh, in the promo. Um, that that should be pretty interesting viewing. I, a little bit of Kirk Cousins off the field, and that will be something for Vikings fans to check out, even as they try to figure out his long term future, like uh, like Lavelle and I talked about. Speaking of long-term futures, Andrew Kramer and I talked about Vikings futures on Wednesday's show. One point of clarity, Dalvin Tomlinson, we had talked about his contract voiding earlier this week. Uh, Field Yates reporting that that actually has been extended. The, the, the two sides, the Vikings and Tomlinson's representation, has extended the deadline for that void to March 15th, which I believe is right around the start of the league year. So the Vikings have a few more weeks to work out something with Dalvin Tomlinson and not have that 7.5 million be on their books for this year. That to me is a sign that maybe they're going to the, the two sides are at least getting close or want to keep pursuing Tomlinson coming back to the Vikings instead of him, you know, voiding and becoming a free agent. So watch for that. That's a point of clarity that Andrew and I did not talk about on the show. It says to me that Dalvin Tomlinson could be more in the mix than we thought because they because both sides wanted to extend that by a few weeks. That'll do it for today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Planning to have Adrian Heath, Minnesota United manager, on Friday's show with me to talk all things loons. They open their season on Saturday, so look forward to that. Adrian is always a great guest, so that should be a great episode for you to end the week. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday as best you can. Stay warm, and I will talk to you again on Friday.